Amen. Can we just one more time put our hands together for Jesus? Amen. Has he been good to you? If he's been good to you, just praise him for a second. I know we've worshiped a lot, but that's what we're all about here. Amen. He's worthy of our praise and worship. Jesus, we magnify you. We love you. We praise you. We give you all glory for all that you've done, all that you're doing, and all that you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Every time we praise him and worship him, it matters. It does something in the spirit. Amen. And we are a people of worship and praise because we are a people of gratitude. Amen. And as your pastor already mentioned, we worship, we praise to, to bask in the goodness of God, to acknowledge the greatness of God, and to give him gratitude for all that he's done, all that he's doing, and all that he's going to do. Amen. So for those of you that uh, uh, maybe are newer here, or you've just started to check it out, we're so glad you're here. And, and maybe you saw today, and you've seen it before, I'm sure, people that are exuberant in their worship. Amen. We like to lift our hands and lift our voice and, and move and just do whatever we feel. And, and that's not for no reason. I just want to take a quick minute, really, really quickly, and say this. That's not for no reason. Uh, you don't know all the stories around, uh, around you yet. If you stick around, you'll uh, get to hear some incredible things of what God has done. But there are testimonies all over this building. There's a testimony in this preacher and in all of you. And God's done so much in my life and God's done so much in their lives that we cannot help but just praise him. And, and, and sometimes people, their, their form of praise, they like to stand and just let the tears run down their face, and that's great. Other people, it, they just get so excited about God, they can't help but jump. They can't help but shout. They can't help but run a little bit. And you know what? I say to each his own, however we feel to express our gratitude and our adoration and our worship, let it be so, let it be done. Amen. This is a place of freedom. This is a place of liberty. This is a place where we can worship however we feel to do so in the spirit. Amen. And, and so I'm just thankful for the liberty and the freedom that we feel here. And I'm thankful I'm around a bunch of other people who have a testimony and a reason to rejoice. Amen. When you, know, when you, when you used to be in prison, when you used to be a drug addict, when you used to be uh, an uh, alcoholic, when you used to be a prostitute, and then God cleans you up and Jesus takes you in and you're converted and you obey the gospel, Sorry, but when you've been brought out of darkness into his marvelous light, you can't help but jump. You can't help but dance. You can't help but sing. Hallelujah. God's done too much for me to stay silent about it. Come on, one more time. Why don't we praise him for his goodness? Amen, amen. I want to turn to the word of the Lord. I know you've been standing, so I want to be mindful of your knees here. But don't get too comfortable because God has something for us, and I know you're going to preach with me today. We're going to read from Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 2, and then we're going to read Revelation 21 and 5. Then we're going to read 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. So we're kind of hopping around the scripture today. Genesis 1, 1 through 2, Revelation 21 and 5, 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. And while you're turning there, I do want to just say what a privilege and honor it is to be back here with all of you at ARC Carson City. My wife and I are honored to be here. We love and appreciate all of you, this church, the saints of God, every visitor this morning, and of course, your great pastor and first lady of this church, the Hoods. We love and appreciate them very much. They are our friends. We are thankful God brought them into our lives and thankful that they would uh, think to invite us to preach before this great assembly. It's an honor to worship with you and minister to you. Um, as, as I'm sure has already been mentioned, because it's been a little bit since the trip, we did have the privilege to go to the great country of Costa Rica with your pastor and pastor's wife. Thank you for lending your pastor out for a little bit. And um, I know other people were blessed. The Costa Rican people were blessed. And my wife and I were also blessed. We're so glad we got to go. We got to hear your pastor and your pastor's wife tear it up in the Holy Ghost in Costa Rica that weekend. Amen. Uh, uh, your pastor preached multiple times. I preached once, and every time Sisterhood was preaching with us, translating. So, hey amen. They were, they were flowing in the Holy Ghost. God anointed them. God used them, and it was an honor to get to hear your pastor preach and to preach alongside him. Thank you so much to the Hoods for that opportunity, and we're thankful for all the people that got the Holy Ghost in Costa Rica, those who were baptized in Jesus' name. How many know God is doing great things all over the world? Amen. Amen, amen. So we appreciate all of you and your pastor for the hospitality. I think I mentioned last time, you know, it takes a lot of courage to invite people to stay in your home for a month. 
doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter if they're the archangel. It doesn't matter who they are. And, man, it takes some courage. So thank Pastor Hood and Sisterhood for their courage, for having us in their home for a month. Amen. We will do our best to, uh, to behave ourselves. Amen. <laughs> it's such an honor to, to be with them. We love them. Always have such a great time with them and this church. Amen. Let's turn to the word of the Lord. Without further ado, I believe God wants to help us here today. We've already felt his presence during the singing, the worship. Thank you to the song team, the singers, the musicians for leading us into the presence of the Lord. Genesis 1, 1 through 2 says, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. How many know in the beginning God created? Amen. Revelation 21 and 5 says, And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Somebody say, All things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true. And faithful. The Lord really wanted to make sure the author wrote down that sentence that says, I make all things new. God apparently thought this was very, very important for readers like ourselves to uh, read this thousands of years later and to be reminded that our Lord is a God who makes all things new. Final passage of Scripture, 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. Amen. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Somebody say new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That's what I want to preach to us about this morning. Just a simple message, but with the help of the Holy Ghost, I believe it will take root in our hearts and do something deep in our hearts and our minds this morning. What I want to preach to us about is simply taken from these scriptures, all things new all things new. How many know that God is still in the business of making all things new? If you believe that one more time before you're seated, put your hands together for Jesus. Give him praise in faith, anticipation, and expectation about what he's going to do. Lord, thy kingdom come, thy will be done today in Carson City as it is in heaven, in this church as it is in heaven, and in every heart and in every mind as it is in heaven. Let it be done in Jesus' name, and we give you praise and thanks for what you're going to do. One more time. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Amen. Humanity has an obsession with new things. How many like new things? Everyone likes the feeling of opening a new package to find something new or unused inside. Everyone likes a new experience where they can see or hear something they have never heard before. There is something about getting that Amazon package in the mail or wherever you uh, uh, buy your, your things and your products from and that package arrives and it doesn't matter if it's a, a, a brand new engine or if it's something big and expensive like that or if it's something as small as a pair of tweezers or a box of Q-tips. There is something about taking that package and unwrapping the bubble wrap, opening the cardboard, and there you see something new inside that's never been touched or used, hopefully, and it is, it is something for you that you asked for, that you wanted. There's, there's, there's a whole psychological component to, to uh, uh, what happens inside of us when we see something and handle something new. And there are those who like old things, such as classic cars and old coins or old furniture. However, even those people who enjoy the old things usually have an instinctive desire to make the old things new again or at least to try to make them appear to be new again. And so the classic cars will be cleaned and have new parts installed. The old coins will be polished and the old furniture will be restored to looking as new as possible because there is something about newness that we all crave inside. And, 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 and the problem with this is, though, that once we acquire something new, it doesn't take long before that things become old again. Once we touch something new, it now becomes used, and so the search for something new begins all over again. We as humans are cursed with this. 
And you will see funny examples of this uh, for, uh, perhaps when people go to the store to find something that they need. And sometimes a package at the store has to be opened in order to see if the product inside is what the customer actually wants, right? And what happens so many times, you may have even done this, is if the person decides that that is the product they want, they will put the box that they opened back on the shelf, and they will grab the same product but in a box that has not yet been opened. You're laughing because you've done this, and I've done it before. Guilty as charged. Even if we are the ones who open the box, because it is no longer technically new, once it's been opened, we will reach for a different unopened box that contains the same product because we desperately want things to remain new, but the moment we touch them, they are no longer new. We long for a newness that will never fade, and we long for a newness that will never get old. We long to be content, and we long to be satisfied, but the more new things that we acquire, the more we serve for satisfaction in this world we become disappointed and then the cycle begins all over again but I'm here to remind someone and to preach to someone perhaps for the first time that there is a well that never ever runs dry and there is a spring that never ever stops flowing there is a living water that constantly satisfies and constantly makes us new my Bible tells me in Revelation 21 that Jesus makes all things new he is still in the creation business he is still creating new hearts he is still creating new minds he is still making marriages new again how many can say amen to that he is still giving new purpose new minds new callings new families new perspectives new joy new hopes hallelujah the spirit of God is still making things new that could have never been made new otherwise. The Spirit of God is still creating light out of darkness. How many believe that that's true? If you're willing to say amen, go ahead and put your hands together and shout amen unto the Lord. He is still creating new worlds out of emptiness. New worlds where there was nothing but darkness and shallowness. God can take that, something that was without form and void, and he is still taking it and molding it into making something beautiful out of something that was shapeless and dark and hopeless. He still takes people, and all of us are individual worlds. We all are our own individual little globes. Amen. We all have our own world and existence that we live in. And just as God created the world in the beginning of time, he creates individual worlds every time a human being is born. And just as he took a shapeless existence, and from the very beginning of time, darkness was the canvas for God's creation. And he took that darkness and he began painting and writing mountains and oceans and everything that exists on that canvas. And he does the same thing, amen, in a basic way when we are born, we are made in his image, amen, but we will always remain somewhat shapeless and somewhat dark and somewhat void unless we make the decision when we reach the point where we are old enough to, to give the pen to the author, to give the pencil and, and the paintbrush to the author and say, God, I want you to take this world, take my existence and make something new out of me. I'm not set. I'm not satisfied with what I have. This world, this, this sinful world has not been kind to my world. I've been beat up. I've been abused. I've been torn down. I've been talked about. I've been lied about. I've been gossiped about. I, I've been hurt, and I've hurt others, and I can't seem to fix it. I can't seem to escape this cycle of dysfunction and sin. God, would you take this world, and would you start to work on it and make all things new in my life? Amen. Amen. He's still creating new worlds. In Genesis 1, God creates. In Revelation 21, near the very end of our Bible, God creates a new heaven and he creates a new earth. Do you see from the, from the beginning all the way to the ending, God is creating new things. He never stops. 
He is the master artist and the master creator. And can I tell someone that I don't care if, you've, if, you've, if you're, this is your first time here or this is your 50th time or you've been in church for 50 years. We don't ever reach a place where God just runs out of material to work with. And he says, all right, you're as polished as you'll ever be. You're as new and perfect as you'll ever be. No, God is always in the newness business. God always wants to take us and improve upon us and give us an upgrade and make us better. And if you're here in the house of God today and you have a need and you've got something in your heart and your mind that you can't seem to shake and you can't seem to fix it on your own, I'm here to tell you there's a God that's in this place We've already felt his presence that wants to make you new. He wants to breathe new life, new hope, and new perspective into that situation that you've believed is impossible. Come on, our God is with God. Nothing shall be impossible. He's the God that can take something that you thought would be broken forever. You think that your heart will never be repaired. Not after what they did to you. Not after how they talked about you. Not after how they messed with you. You think your heart will forever be shattered in pieces. But God looks at that and says, hey, you're a broken vessel. You are a prime candidate for me to take you and put you back together and do all the stitches and glue everything together and make you a new creature in Christ Jesus. Somebody praise him if you believe that. I believe that he wants to do something new today in this house. I believe that he wants to do something new in this church as a whole. I believe that he wants to do something new this year in 2021. For some of you, you ought to really be, if God's done anything new for you thus far from January until now, whether it was a healing that you never thought possible, maybe it was a miracle in your family you never thought possible, if you've seen the newness of God on operation, then you ought to rejoice and shout with this preacher every step of the way. And I believe God's not finished. He wants to do more new things in 2021 in this revival and in this church. I believe he wants to do something new in your heart today. Can I preach to somebody that might be new to this church? If you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ in water for the removal, the remission of all your sins, just like Peter said to do in Acts 2 and 38 and just like was said in Mark 16, 16, if you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, you can have all your sins washed away today and you can receive a new life in Jesus Christ. And if you've never been filled with that wonderful gift of the Holy Ghost, just like they received it in the book of Acts, amen, baptized in the Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, you can receive the Spirit of Jesus into your heart today and you can become a new creation in Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what your age is, what your background is. It doesn't matter if you're a child today. I know we got many of the children sitting in today, and it's an honor to have them in. I believe Jesus can fill any hungry child's heart with the Holy Ghost today. Amen. The Bible says in Acts 2 and 39 that the promise of the Holy Ghost is unto you, to your children, to all that are far off. It's for every age, every ethnicity, every socioeconomic status. God is not a respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of faith. And anybody that's got faith and hunger, God will fill them. God does not discriminate. He wants anybody and everybody to be filled and to be saved today. If you're a child, if you're an elder, if you're a visitor and you've never been filled with the wonderful spirit of Jesus, evidence by speaking in tongues, you don't have to leave this place without being made new in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. In Jesus, regardless of, 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 of your position today, regardless of your situation, no matter what, Jesus is the only one who can give you constant, enduring satisfaction. He's the only one. I, I know I'm young and I've got a lot to learn and Still got some green on me, but I have, I have lived enough, and sadly, I've lived enough years away from God to be able to tell you I've bought the T-shirt. I can testify to you that, that the things of this world that everybody in the world promises will satisfy you from the whole range of things, from the most sinful to the not so bad, all the carnal efforts, none of them will result in the ultimate satisfaction. I've tried it. I've, I've tried the addiction. I've tried the relationships. I've tried the drugs. I've tried the entertainment. I've tried the, the, the money. I've tried the fame. I, I've had all these different things to pursue. And I can tell you, I may have not reached the, 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 the fullness of all of those roads, but I didn't have to. All I had to do was dip my toes in those sinful things enough to know that none of those things are the answers. None of those things will satisfy. None of those things will bring me hope. None of those things will bring me joy. 
And you know what? We always talk about the sinful things, but you know what? There, there, there's, some, there's some decent, good citizen things in life as well that we could talk about. For example, we know the Bible says that he who finds a wife finds a good thing. And when I found my wife, I found a very, very, very good thing. Amen. She's blessed me. She's made me a better man. It was absolutely the will of God that we got married, and God just demonstrates that every day. But can I tell you that as wonderful as she is, if, if, if marrying her was my highest pursuit, if marrying her but leaving out Jesus of my life, if, if, if that was the path that I had taken, then no matter how great she is, she would never provide me with that ultimate satisfaction that only Jesus Christ can give. And I mean, she's a 10 out of a 10. You can't get any better than her. But she still cannot fill all of those empty places and those voids that were created, that were meant for only Jesus Christ and him alone to fill. So maybe you're in a good relationship right now. Maybe, you know, you've been through some rough ones. And maybe you've, you know, had to kiss some toads before you finally found your prince, all right? And maybe you're happy about it. And maybe you're glad that you found a, a decent person. But can I tell you this morning that if you don't put Jesus first... And if you don't put Jesus at the center of that relationship, then that prince will not give you the satisfaction that you're looking for. That prince, as nice as he might be, will not give you all the joy and happiness that you're looking for. You'll be disappointed once again. But when you and him put Jesus at the center of that relationship, honey, that's when everything starts changing. That's when true joy and true peace and humility and meaning and virtue is possible. Hallelujah. In John chapter 4, as an example of this, Jesus met a woman at a well. Most of you know this story, and he told her this. Everyone who drinks of this water from the well will be thirsty again. He said, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. He said, the water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. I'm paraphrasing this, John chapter 4, 13 through 14. You see, Jesus offered this woman living water that would quench her spiritual thirst forever. And he also told her that he was aware of the sin that she was living in, for she had multiple husbands in the past, and now the man she was living with was not her husband. Jesus, Jesus listen, you got to understand, Jesus is, he, he made the rules so he can break the rules, okay? He's, he, there's one thing ab above the law, and that's the love of God, right? J Jesus, Jesus is a righteous rebel, so to speak. He did a lot of things that the religious community told him he wasn't supposed to do. But because he's God and he knows what's right and they don't, he decided to do it anyway and break their so-called laws. And, and part of those rules he wasn't supposed to break was even being in that position. Even talking to that woman who was of a different ethnic group and even being there alone with her and talking to her, he was, he was breaking these different rules, amen, again, that only he can do because only he is God. He was there and he was actually asking this woman about her intimate life. I mean, he, he was bold. He was very hardcore, but he was doing this for a reason. He was doing this because he loved her. He was trying to and successfully, sh brilliantly showing her that she had been searching for something that would quench her thirst but she had been searching in all of the wrong places and Jesus was letting her know hey I know you've been looking for satisfaction in men he said but I'm the only man that will ever satisfy you he was telling her that he was the only one that would ever complete her that he is the only well that would never ever become dry and he offered her a relationship with him something that would never ever grow stale and never grow old that's what Jesus offers each and every one of us in this house house today and she ran into the town and she told everyone come see a man who told me all that I ever did could this be the Messiah she was telling her friends listen I want you to come and see a man who saw me at my worst and loved me anyway he knew about my infidelity. He knew about my promiscuity. He knew about my loneliness and my insecurity. And he's the only man that never flinched. He's the only man that didn't try to take advantage of me in my weak situation. No, he's a man that said, I love you. I want to help you. And I got to be honest and real with you in order to get you where you need to go. In order to make you new, amen, we got to talk true. And she went to that town and said, come, see a man named Jesus who knew all 
my secrets, knew all my mistakes, knew everything in my closet, and he loved me anyway, and he still offered me eternal life. That's the kind of God we serve. That's how loving Jesus is. That's how amazing he is. No matter what you've done, no matter what mistakes you've made, no matter what kind of darkness you've played with, no matter what kind of darkness you may have been flirting with lately, God can set you free. He can bring you out, and he can give you a new heart and a new mind in Christ Jesus. Somebody praise him if you believe that. Hallelujah. I believe God wants to help help a man or help a woman today escape some cycles. He is still the God that brings us out of our cycles. Pastor Hood, you know that's the truth. He's still the God that brings us out of those cycles. When other human beings look at us and they say, man, you've been doing the same stuff for 10 years. You've been making the same mistakes. You've been in those same thought patterns for five, eight years. And other humans will look at you and they may not always believe in you. They might look at you and be like, man, that, that person's, God help them. They're just going to be stuck there forever. But that's not how Jesus looks at you at all. When Jesus looks at you, he sees the whole person, past, present, and future. He doesn't just see the mess you're in right now. He sees all the potential that resides within you as well. He considers that a part of you. So he looks at you and says, listen, I know everyone else has written you off. And I know you can't seem to get out of these cycles by yourself. But Jesus says, that's what I'm here for. That's what I'm here for. Yeah, I know you're human and you're flawed and you're born into a sinful world and, and, and maybe you didn't have a good family situation and you were never taught how to love or taught how to work or taught how to be kind or taught how to make friends. And so you just keep yourself in this cycle. You just keep doing the same old stuff. Jesus says, that's what I'm here for. That's what the church is for. That's what preaching is for. That's what the Holy Ghost is for. I believe this morning God can give some of us revelation, amen, so we can see the things that we've been caught in and we can give those things to God and say, God, make me new. I may have been battling this for five years, but God, you can make me new in a single service. God, I may have been battling this for 10 years, but God, you can make this new in a single service in one moment in the presence of God. How many believe this with me? Come on, how many believe our God is that powerful? Somebody praise him if you believe that with this preacher today. All over the world, he's making things and making people new. Not too long ago, I was preaching up in the Northwest. There was a young man that came into the service, young Hispanic gentleman. I'd never met him before, didn't know who he was. But he came to an altar on a Sunday morning. He lifted his hands, repented of his sins, tears coming down his face. And he was filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues for the very first time. A few days later, I find out about his story. His name is Miguel. Miguel, if you ever hear this, I love you. And uh, you see, he was an atheist. <laughs> he, he was uh, in his mid-20s. He didn't believe in anything to do with God or the Bible. He was starting to seriously consider some dark, dark things. But he said, you know what? Why don't I give this church and give this Jesus character a chance? So he went to church, and he heard the preacher that day just reading all of his mail just going right down the line, uh, uh, the preacher preaching about the fact that God is, is, is real and present and, uh, and uh, God, God wants to help you and be very real and evident in your life. And, and God is so real that when he gives the spirit, he doesn't just kind of give you a little goosebump and leave you wondering what happened to you, whether you got the spirit or not. No, he gives a supernatural evidence of speaking in other tongues in order to testify how real he is. And so that sermon went forth, and this atheist came to the front, lifted his hands, was filled with the Holy Ghost. He was baptized in Jesus' name a few days later. He went from atheist to Christian, and he went from just entry-level Christian to now he's a bilingual preacher of the gospel, amen, preaching in English to Spanish to all who will listen. I Listen, that's just one small example of all the amazing things, all the amazing stories that God is still making new in 2021. Come on, somebody. You might be weary by some sickness you've seen lately. Maybe people in your family have had the virus and I'm sorry for that. And maybe you're weary because of some of the uh, political situations and maybe you're weary because you don't know what the futures hold because our world is a little uncertain right now. But we need to make up in our mind I'm going to shake off that weariness because none of the stuff in this world is stopping God from doing what only God can do. None of the craziness of this world is stopping God from saving people, helping people, healing people. 
people, setting people free. None of this craziness is stopping God from delivering people from depression, from anxiety, from fear, from suicidal tendencies. Come on, our God is still on the move no matter what kind of hell is breaking loose in our world today. Oh, I wish somebody would praise him if you believe that with me. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah. Don't let your faith be hampered for one moment by all of the chaos. As we preached about, God is the one who specializes in creating order out of chaos. God is the one, as I've mentioned here before, last time we were here, all the worldwide devastation, God is going to use it and is using it to bring worldwide revelation. That's how good our God is, the God that we serve. He didn't create all these problems. He didn't create the chaos, but he sure knows how to get beauty out of ashes. He sure knows how to get glory out of the chaos. Come on, I just feel like there's somebody here. You've got a weary spirit. You've got a tired spirit. I don't know what you've seen. I don't know what's been happening to you, but there's something inside of you that's tired, that's been hurt, and your faith, if you're being honest, has been a little bit shaken. Guess what? It's normal. You're human. Sometimes our faith gets shaken, but we need to make up in our minds when we realize our faith is shaken that we need to get back to our knees and lift our hands and say, God, increase my faith once again. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to trust you, even when it doesn't that all make sense. God, I believe, but help my unbelief. Come on, somebody, let your spirit begin to rise. Let faith come back into your heart. Let God breathe life back into you. Open the door of your heart and let God put faith in you again. Come on, one year ago, two years ago, you were full of faith. What happened? Who lied to you? Who told you that God can't keep moving? Who told you that this is where the story ends? Who told you that God can't heal anymore? Who told you that God can't fix your seemingly hopeless situation what kind of lies have you believed that has left you tired and weary without your faith it's time to get your faith back it's time to claim what you've lost it's time to let God give you something new and return for what you've lost our God is the God that can help you reclaim everything you've lost our God is still the God that redeems the time and makes something new out of a way it seemed like there was no way that's the God that we serve hallelujah and I'm not here getting red in the face amen just to hype anyone up I'm preaching this to you today with passion with faith and confidence because I believe what I'm preaching. Because I've seen God reach his hand into the depths of hell and pull people out and do things that no one ever thought possible. That's why the Bible says even when we make our bed in hell, he is still there. And I feel like God is speaking to someone right now, but you're having a hard time believing it. And that's why I'm parking right here, because there's someone here that's having a hard time believing it. Your heart wants to believe it. You have a good heart and a good spirit, and you want to believe it, but you've been so beaten down. You, you, you're having a hard time believing that God can make you new, and God can make your situation new. You believe it for other people. You'll come and pat someone else on the back, but you don't believe it for yourself. Why is it that God is real for everyone else, but God is not real for you? You can't claim to be a true believer if you only believe that God is the God for the other 99, but not for you, the 1%. Come on, somebody. He's your God, too. He's your lover, too. He's your spouse, too. He's your way maker, too. He's your counselor, too. It's time to start claiming all the benefits of Christianity that God has given to you. Come on. There's incredible benefits that God will load you up with, but you've got to claim it. You've got to walk in it. You've got to believe it. You You've got to read it. You've got to live it. And you'll experience all the benefits that God has to offer you. He cares about you. He loves you more than you could ever imagine. And he wants to make you new. It's not too late for him to help your family. It's not too late for him to restore your marriage. You know, I've never told this story before. It just came to my mind, so it must be the Lord. I heard a story, it was only a year or so ago, it blew my mind and it was confirmed. Multiple friends told me there was an apostolic live recording going on. It was a, a live album recording of an apostolic guy and his band and worship team. It was a powerful night and I had the privilege of being there in person. But for those that couldn't be there in person, this was a few years ago, but it was streamed online. And we found out later that 
the parents of one, uh, a set of parents of one of the musicians who was actually playing in the live recording, they were on the verge of getting a divorce. And, and it was not, it was not the kind of situation where that was, that was the answer, right? It, it, this was, um, it, the enemy was trying to tear their marriage apart. And they were tuned in to this live stream, and they saw one of their kids on the instruments over the live stream. And this kid knew that his parents were on the verge. And with tears in his eyes and an almost broken heart, he played through that whole night, probably about 10 songs, just playing, praying for his parents. And on that live recording that night, through one of the songs, through some of the lyrics, God touched that mom and dad who were watching that live recording. And they looked at each other with tears coming down their face. They grabbed each other's hands, and they started praying in the name of Jesus. Amen. They started praying for their marriage. They started interceding for what they had. Amen. They prayed for hours, speaking in other tongues. And by the time it was over, they called their son, one of the musicians that night, and said, Son, God has touched us and spoken to us. He's helped us to get over ourselves and get over our selfishness and see what we've been missing. Son, we're not going to get divorced no more. We're going to work it out. We're going to go to counseling, do whatever we're going to do. We're going to stick through this in Jesus' name. Amen. And now they are still happily married today, several years later. Don't tell me that God doesn't make things new. If God can do that over an apostolic anointed recording, don't you think God can do it in a service like this? Come on, somebody. But we've got to get humble hearts. We've got to get on our knees and make up in our minds, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. Whatever you got to do to me, do it. Make me new. Make me new. Make me new this morning. Oh, somebody praise him. Come on, praise him, praise him. Come on, I need just a few more people to put your hands together and lift your faith. Come on, come on, come on. Just a few more people. Let your faith rise with this preacher today. Come on. Come on, come on. Ten more seconds. Can you praise him? Can you praise him? Come on. I need somebody to believe this. God is trying to take root in somebody's heart today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus, make all things new in this place this morning. I want the musician to come. You know, it's one thing to have possessions, it's another thing to be able to enjoy those possessions. It's one thing to have gifts given to you. It's another thing to have the capacity to enjoy those gifts that have been given to you. Contentment is the greater gift than the object itself. One man said, it's not difficult to attain wealth, really. God hands that out as commonly as outlet stores hand out discounts. What is a rare gift, however, is the gift of having the capacity to enjoy wealth. True contentment is a gift from God. Whether we're talking about wealth, possessions, our homes, our families, there, there can be great things that we've been given, that we have, that we've worked for, that we possess. But if we don't have God in our lives, we will never have true contentment and satisfaction with those good things that we possess. Do you see that only God can make those things new in our eyes? Only God can give us a fresh perspective, a new appreciation for old things. Some of us are going and looking for new things out in the world. When you have everything that you need in your life in front of you, you just need a new perspective, a fresh perspective to be able to see what you have. You don't need to go out and acquire new tools. You don't need to go out and acquire a new spouse. You don't need to go out and do all those different things the world promises will make you happy. No, you need to look at what you've been given and pray that God would give you a new perspective. And God will. He's the God that makes everything new. He doesn't just give new things. He gives us a new perspective and a new appreciation for the things that we already possess. Come on, somebody. There, there, there's some people out there, when things start going bad in their life, they want to replace everything. They want to replace all their friends, replace their family, replace their brothers and sisters in Christ. No, no, you, you don't need a replacement of all those things. You need a fresh perspective to see how good all the things are that you've been given. What would that be like if God had the same perspective where every time we did something wrong, God just sought to replace us? But that's not how God works. You know what God says? He looks at us and says, no matter how you feel, you are not replaceable. You are repairable. You are not replaceable, but you are repairable. 
That's how God sees us, and, and that's how we've got to see some of the situations in our own lives, our family, our, our, our marriage, whatever we're going through. We've got to understand, no, this is repairable. With God, anything is possible. Hallelujah. Can I tell you, he doesn't just make all things new, but, but as a part of making all things new, he makes all things whole as well. How many know that's true? How God makes all things whole as well. He brings disparate parts together. Can I ask somebody, have, have, you, ever, have you ever felt like your public and private life were drifting apart? Have you ever felt like the person you are in public is totally different than who you are in private? Have you ever, and I'm not talking about just being kind and getting out of our comfort zone and smiling and shaking hands even when we don't feel like it. All that's good. All that's godly. I'm talking about where you feel this disconnect in your soul, this disconnect in your spirit, and you're not satisfied, and you're like, no, I, I'm not where I want to be. I'm not who I'm supposed to be, and, and, and you kind of have a hard time con confusing the mask with your own self. Anybody know what that's like? And that's because you're not whole. I'm not saying that to be unkind. I'm saying that in love. You, you may not be whole yet, but God wants to bring you together and make you one whole person. He wants to bring all those different parts, those different elements, and help to make you feel whole again. He doesn't want you to confuse your mask with your identity with who you really are. The Bible says in Acts 17 and 28, in him we live and move and have our being. Only in him do we have our reality, our true existence. Only in him will you be able to take off that mask that you've learned to wear and put it down and realize your true new identity in Jesus Christ. Jesus is not interested in perfecting our masks. He's interested in affecting and perfecting our motivations. He goes a step deeper. He, he's not interested in only helping us improve our actions. He also wants to help us work on our affections. He doesn't just want to change the things we do. He will go if we let him and change the very things that we want to do. That's how deep God will go if we let him. That's how God will make you one whole person. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be like the man in the New Testament. Amen. That, that, that was filled with his own demons. How many have ever dealt with, 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 with demons of the past or demons of addiction? I know I've, I've had demons I had to give to God and let him deliver me from. And there was a man in the Bible so full of demons, they asked him, what are the demons' names? And he said, legion, for we are many. This was a man that was not whole. He would change from one minute to the next. You've heard of a double-minded man? This was like a, I don't even have a number for it, quadruple-minded man and on and on and on. He, his, his, his person was split and separated and fragmented. And for some of us, the world and trials of life and things we didn't ask for have done that to us. They've left us feeling fragmented. They've left us feel like we can't even get in touch with ourselves. We can't sit with our own thoughts and feelings and emotions because we are not yet a whole person. But the God I serve wants to make you new and he wants to make you whole. He wants to bring you to a place where you can feel comfortable within yourself, not because you're so great, but because he's so great. And your trust is now in him. He, he wants to help you not, not, not just have a self-confidence, but have a God-confidence and realize who you are in him. He wants to make you new. He wants to bring all the parts together. I don't know who that's for, but I felt that in the Holy Ghost to share with someone. I'm almost done, and we're going to come to this altar, and we're going to pray. But I hope that if God has spoken to you today, you'll make up in your mind right now in this moment that you're going to respond to the word of the Lord. Final scripture. I'm coming to a close. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 says that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. We read about that, remember? In Revelation 21 and 5, we read that as well. Scripture says Jesus is making all things new. And in both Revelation 21, 5 and 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, the Greek word there for new, everyone with me? I'm almost done. The Greek word for new is kainos. And you know what this word means? This word means fresh. This word means new. This word means unused. Unused. One commentary says that it means never found exactly like this before. Wow. Maybe you're here and maybe you feel used because maybe you've been used. Maybe you're here and you feel spent like currency. Someone's used you and picked you up and dropped you and spent you. Jesus can take you and restore you to a new, unused state.
just like after a fresh snow and you look at the mountaintops, you look at that field and it's perfectly white and the sun reflects on it and it's beautiful and no one's taken a step on it, no one's put their feet there, it's just fresh, it's new, it's unused. That's how God, that's what God wants to do with you. That's the state that God can bring you to. Maybe other people used you and hurt you and you feel, you feel 10 years older than what you really are. I'm telling you, one touch from Jesus can leave you fresh, can leave you new, can leave you unused. He can make you clean again. He can make you innocent again. He can make you new again. And you can go to those people that know you, those friends or family, and they can look at you and say, my God, what happened to you? I haven't seen you smile like that in ages. I haven't seen you crack a joke like that in forever. And you can say, what happened to me was one touch from Jesus. One moment at an altar call filled with the Holy Ghost. One moment of giving myself back to the God. One, one moment uh, uh, giving my fears and my anxiety to him. One moment in the presence of God letting him deliver me from depression. One moment in a baptistry going down in water in Jesus' name can make me clean and new. And for those that have never been baptized or filled with the Holy Ghost, can I tell you there's a reason why the Bible calls it a new birth. There's a reason why Jesus told Nicodemus when Nicodemus asked him how to be saved, Jesus said, you must be born again. You must be born of water and the Spirit to enter the kingdom of God. He's letting him know, yeah, Nicodemus, I know you've been born once, but there's a second birth, a new birth, a spiritual birth that you need to go through in order for you to be redeemed, set free, and saved. Can I tell someone today, the Holy Ghost will make you a new man or a new woman to face all of the problems in your life. I'm closing. But for those that don't know, I need to explain this to you really quickly. John 3 and 8. For those that are here and want the Holy Ghost and need the Holy Ghost. And if you're a child and you want it, if you're older and you want it, listen up. This is going to help you understand. John 3 and 8, one scripture says, the wind blows wherever it will. And you hear the sound it makes, but you don't know where it comes from and where it's going. So it is with everyone. Somebody say everyone. So it is with everyone that is born of the Spirit. When you are born of the Spirit, just as Jesus prophesied and promised, there will be a sound, just like there was in Acts 2, Acts 8, Acts 10, and Acts 19. And that sound will be speaking in other tongues as God gives the utterance. If you've never experienced this, I know you can experience this today. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness, joy, and peace that can only come from the Holy Ghost. If you've never been filled with His Spirit, there's a peace like you've never known. There's a joy like you've... Come on, how many saints can testify with this preacher? There's a hope like you've never known. Come on, if it's been a long time since you've lifted your hands and allowed God to touch you, you need to let Him renew you today. You need to let Him pour over you today and let that heavenly experience come out of your mouth once again. Come on, God is here today and He wants to make all things new all things new every heart every mind every spirit every family every marriage every body god wants to make all and everything new this morning somebody praise him right now come on this preacher's done preaching why don't we stand all over this house Come on, somebody lift your hands and lift your voice before we go any further come on somebody cry out to the lord today Come on, that's it. If you need the Holy Ghost, begin talking to Jesus. Begin repenting of your sins. Go ahead and prepare your heart so that Jesus can fill it. Hallelujah. If you're a saint of God and you've been going through hell and your faith is on the low, God's here to fill you back up and make you new again. God's here to get you ready for several months of revival and harvest. Come on, somebody. Lift your hands and praise Him. Lift your hands and praise Him before we go any further. Hallelujah. Jesus, I need, that's it, lift your need to him. Whatever need that you brought, whatever pain you're carrying, whatever load that's on your shoulders, come on, let him carry it with you. You were not meant to carry that alone. You were not meant to live life alone. Give that pain to Jesus Christ and let him make you new. Come on, stay in that spirit of prayer. If you're here and you need the Holy Ghost or you need deliverance, I want to invite you to come to this front. These altars are open. This area is open. If you want to take a step of faith and come forward and let God, let God know you're wanting him to make you new this morning. That's it. 
If you need the Holy Ghost, just come, stand, and lift your hands. If you need something else, come and do whatever you feel. That's it, that's it, that's it. There's still people coming. That's beautiful. Jesus is here to do a mighty work. Hallelujah. Come on, if you've never had the experience of speaking in tongues, come to this front, repent of your sins, and lift your hands. Oh, that's it. Jesus, make me new. Jesus, only you can make me whole. Jesus, only you can help my life make sense. Oh, that's it. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. That's it. Just go ahead and pray. Go ahead and get lost in that spirit of prayer. That's it. Go ahead and go in the spirit wherever God's wanting to take you. Jesus' name, Jesus' name, Jesus' name. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Jesus, we praise you. Jesus, we worship you. Come on, that's it. Somebody get desperate for him. Somebody cry out to him. Jesus is here. If you've already repented of your sins, then just worship him. Just praise him, and God will do the rest. Come on, that's it. You don't have to beg him. He already heard you. You don't have to beg him. He sees you where you are. Just worship him. Praise him. God will do the work. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. That's it. Keep on praying. They're going to sing. Keep on praying. Lift your hands and cry out to him. If you need something, don't leave here without it. Don't leave here without trying Jesus. Jesus.